Child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Thank you for joining the I Love South Orange County podcast and the ESBC Podcasting and Financial Networks as we have. Every Friday, we're going to have, how do you pronounce your last name? He's stuck a little, but he spells his last name O-D-A. Can't hear him. O-D-A. O-D-A, gotcha, gotcha. So that's how you pronounce your last name? O-D-A. O-D-A. Oda. We got Dr. Oda, who is a psychologist, right? So about 60 to 70% of business is psychology. A lot of people think it's just numbers, but it is psychology. And the good doctor has been very, very successful. He's out here in Southern California. Uh, he relocated from uh, Indiana. And he's now, you work with the Tony Robbins company, is that correct? All right, so we're having a little problems with the internet. But uh, we connected on LinkedIn. He's a very uh, dynamic guy. He has a lot of energy. He's been extremely successful, and we are going to, we're very fortunate, lucky, and good that we can provide a lot of insight, Doc. Can you hear me better now? I hear you great now. All right. So, who the heck are you, and why should anybody listen to anything you have to say? Oh, very good. Nice introduction. Um. It depends on what you want to hear. So let me explain you my background of who I am. Yeah. And then I'll give you, and then, then I'll explain this to you why, right? So I was born in a, a little city called Michigan City, Indiana. Got it. Miles west of Chicago. Um, growing up there, I had uh, 10 siblings, including myself. I was, right. eight, I was eight out of the 10. Uh, growing up, we went to our private school. Um, my parents came from the South. My mother was um, a preacher kid, and she wanted to have her she wanted to have her kids go to Catholic schools. But back in the day, in the fifties, if you go to a Catholic school, you had to change your religion. So wow. she went from Baptist. That's very so, yeah, which is uh, a challenge. But anyway, but well, that's very interesting because nine stu multiple studies have been done in ninety. Uh, whatever, 95% of people are not even open at all to ever changing their religion. Yeah, well, sure, hold the best schools. You know, which, right. that's the place. But when I was growing up, I was uh, in, in first grade. I remember my, uh, I, I had a nun, and her name was Sister Elderfine, so I'll never forget her my whole entire life. She told me that she wanted, she wanted to see my mother. And I said, did I, do, did, did I do anything wrong? She says, oh, no, 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 just have your mom come in. So my mom worked midnight. She worked the midnights 
as, as being a nurse. So when she came on in, I said, do I leave? She says, oh, no, you can stay. She says, you know, Mrs. Oda, John's a nice kid. Stutter. He needs to go. We think he is retarded, and he needs to go to a special school. Wow. And my mother, the nice, strong black woman of that she is, she smiled at her. She said, if John leave, they all leave. Right. We had him from grade school to high school. Right. She said, Miss Soda, calm down, calm down. John can stay. And I'm like, yes, I won. Now, that, that's a great story, you know, and, and it's words uh, that we haven't uh, heard before as far as uh, a word that we haven't heard a lot recently in this change, right, where the word retarded being used, right, and then uh, the word, you know, retarded being used and then how uh, society has evolved has evolved as far as diagnosing, right? Diagnosis and treating people. And you're an expert in that as a, you have your doctorate in psychology. But you know. Oh, what is your doctorate in? Philosophy, emphasis okay. in psychology. I, yeah. think, I think a lot of people, they want to label you Right. When they label you, they label you that's going to be disempowered and empowering. If she would have said, you know, Mrs. Oda, your son's a genius, I would have loved that. Right. If, he, if she would have said, he's going to grow up successful, I would have loved that. Right. But when she said that, I started and never finished eighth grade. Who tell the kid that? Right. But she did. So I went to the speech therapist, and the guy was the nicest guy in the world. He says, when you say, hi, my name is John, I stutter. I said, why would I say that? The other kids don't stutter. Right. But I stutter. So I was in first grade. The following year, I was back in first grade. They, they, they held me back, and I said, why? They said, well, they couldn't give mom a reason or myself a reason. So I didn't know what was going on. They just right. held me back. But we had a class that was first grade and second grade. Some of the kids I should have been in second grade with, the, uh, those call me, John, you're old. You're so stupid. <laughs> oh, do, do. All right. How kids are. Right. I asked though it laughed at me. Call me stupid and retarded. And I swear, man, Josh, I think I had a fight every day until about 16, 17 years old. Right. Oh, no, yeah. And, you know, I mean, and you had to stand up for yourself. You know, you had fight them and stuff. But, you know, I look back and I laugh because I've grown so much. So as a child, I went through the anger and the depression and the stress and the worry and not fitting in and going to all white school and try to hang out with, with my black friends who called me this oh, Oreo cookie, right? Uh, black on the outside, white on the inside, right? Because, <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Because, yeah, exactly. 
because I had goals and dreams. I remember, I remember my mom and dad said, you're going to college. I said, no, mom, I want to take care of you. They said, hell no, you're going to, you're going to take your happy because all y'all go to college. You, you're not staying home. Right. And I'm happy he was that strong because it made me to the person of what I was. Right. Of course, I played basketball, and basketball was great because it was a relief. I didn't have to deal with people. Right. I, I did martial arts. So I did a lot of great things just to keep me busy and not happen to speak. Now, here's a cool thing. When I was around my friends, I didn't stutter. And when I got in school, oh, my God. Seems like I was like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. It just literally came out of me. And my self-esteem was low. Oh, my goodness. It was like down to it, dumb slow. So when I started going into my field, I loved it. Now, I now, it's something very interesting uh, you, you touched on, right? And you're a person like all of us, but not all of us, right? Because we see a lot of people who are homeless. We see, I've seen people who live in an affluent neighborhood, right? And they're a lawyer and they lose a big case and they commit suicide, right? Because they lost a big case and they're gonna have to move from the affluent neighborhood <laughs> to another neighborhood and they kill themselves. So you touched on self-esteem, right? How did you overcome those self-esteem issues? Because this is the thing, right? You talk about it in school, Looking back at it, you have your own uh, issues with uh, self-esteem, right? Right. And people notice that, and they attack your weaknesses. Yes. Systematically, even as little kids. You could yes. be in a schoolyard, five, six years old, all the way up until adulthood. Uh, people look for your weaknesses and try and attempt to attack your self-esteem. Exactly. And, and you were just talking about different coping mechanisms that uh, you came up with to kind of beat that down, right? Right. But here's the biggest thing about it, what people gotta understand, you have to work on your self-esteem. Right. It was a working process. It was a working process that having enough self-esteem to go up to, and you can't even speak that well. Right. So it was a working process to even go to school that you know the work, but you can't express yourself. But my mother said one thing, and I, and I held on that, but one thing of that she said. Right. She says, John, you're, as, you're, as your father started, your grandfather started, and they overcame it. Those are the words I hung on to. Because I said, there's, there have to be a way in a system. Right. I had the priest pray for me. I had, the, 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 I had pastors pray over me, it didn't work. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, man. Wait a minute. I, I did not know that. I, I thought it was a demon in me or something, you know? I'm like, and, and, then, and that's the problem with, you know, my dad's been a minister for 51 years, and uh, that's always been a problem because then they, they, they throw it back on you. Oh, it didn't happen because you didn't have enough faith. Exactly. <laughs> Your fault. Exactly. Well, God right. didn't heal you because you didn't have enough faith. Yeah. It's on you. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. So what people got to understand, yes, pray to God. 
or else Allah, Buddha, Jogo, whoever you got it. And sometimes God says no. <laughs> but, but here it goes. You have to do the darn work. Right. And people don't understand that. People say, yeah. Darren, I'm praying for money. I said, okay. I, uh, no, but I'm praying for it. Are you, are, you, are you working 40 hours to get a job? Well, why would I do that? Well, if you were working 40 hours, but if you do the same thing to get a job, you probably have a job. Right. Put in about two or three hours of work, a, a, a week, man, good luck and God bless. Well, it, it, it's the thing. We were talking about that this week with people. Uh, you got choices. You either can outsmart people, and you don't have to work as hard. Other people have to uh, – and, and this is what I want to touch on this point, our larger point, perspective, as we get into the weeds of COVID-19 uh, parenting. But some people can outsmart people and do the 40-hour work week like Tim Ferriss. Other people have to work hard. And they work 16 hours a day, and they come up with Airbnb and become a billionaire, right? You hear the guys from WeWork, from Airbnb, from Uber. You hear all these entrepreneurs, Phil Knight, True Dog. Uh, Phil Knight was working 18 hours a day. And he's like, I'm just an accountant. So I couldn't, to be a billionaire, he's talking about being a billionaire. So he's like, I, I'm just an accountant. So I couldn't really smart. I was, I'm an accountant college professor. I wasn't even really a good accountant in private practice. I, I'm an accounting professor. So I had to work eight, 18 hours a day at Nike for it to work. So he, he's in that category where he had to work hard to make. Some people have to do both, right? And, uh, I would venture, right? So you're, you're, when uh, the statistics came out of who got the loans from the government for small businesses, right? And a large, uh, a large majority of that came from, went to non-minority businesses, right? You and I have overcome a lot to live in a affluent community, right? So, so you and I, you and I have overcome a lot of obstacles to live in an affluent community. You live in Irvine, California. You have a nice house in Irvine, California, right? Not to be taken lightly, okay? It's an affluent community, all right? It's been voted the safest community in the country. Right? So you overcame a lot to get there. So, um, that third category has to not only be smart, but you also have to work hard at the same time, right? Because there's uh, a Matt Bird on the Tuesday on the Thursday podcast yesterday, talked about that. He talked about institutional racism, right? He talked about structured, right? Structured systems that I, it's the way you look at it, right? Because in one way, sometimes the world conspires for you, for you, but only people only talk about when it conspires against you. I love obstacles and put extra obstacles in my way because I've been in business meetings. I've been in court battles that in my opinion, I just won 
because there's been extra hurdles in my way that have been put in the people around me that had those structural advantages. They might have been a lawyer, me, non-lawyer, uh, probably smarter than I am, right? Right. And knew everybody in the court, right? And I was able to defeat these people consistently, man. I mean, people can watch that on uh, I, I love that I was able to put it on tape, Hot Bench, the episode on Hot Bench, where that was in full display. And my opinion, the reason that I was able, that I have been able to the last 20 years consistently win in those situations is sometimes better to be lucky than good. It's because I've been put in so many unfortunate circumstances that you just get more battle tested. And we'll talk about this too in the parenting aspect of it. Uh, the profile of the guy we talked about before. But on a larger macro view, as a guy who's overcome all these obstacles through all your life, right? Uh, structural systems we have. Uh, the specific example that I'll help the people extrapolate is what happened in Georgia, right? Where you have uh, a, and criminals graduate in crime, right? A criminal first starts going to the grocery store, he steals a candy bar, then he burglarizes a house, and then he graduates to murder. So you have an ex-cop in Georgia who's been getting away with a lot, and he graduated to a murder. Which is a sad thing. Um... Right. So, so how do you overcome it? What is your thoughts on the macro cultural, structural, because this is the other thing too. I want to know your opinion on this because you have an interesting perspective from Indiana and being an urban. Well, you know, Matt Bird talked about this and I agree with Matt Bird that uh, the highest form of discrimination is heights. It isn't race, gender, or color or anything. It's height. Higher people get discriminated for than anything else. So minority population, in, this is my opinion. I'd like to know your opinion. The minority in business and anything else, the minority population gets discriminated just as much as poor whites. And I think now you can rope in the, the white middle class, get discriminated just as much as anybody else. So here's my thought. Right. Coming from Indiana and coming from the Midwest, right? Right. Midwest is more of black and white, right? Right. And you go to Chicago, right? You have a Polish neighborhood, you have an Italian neighborhood, you have a black, you have Hispanic. Everything is separated. Everything is segregated, right? right. And you go downtown is more of a melting pot. Back growing up, the Midwest was black and white, right? Now, Irvine, here's the difference is between Irvine. Right. Irvine is money. So, right. money, they don't care if you're black, white, blue, green, or polka dot. You're good. Right. If you don't have money, you have to go to a different area, but not Irvine. Right. So the six figures in the Midwest is between 100 to 150. The new six figures in Irvine is between 250 and a half a million. Right. When you have homes that are going to go between 1.5 to $3 million, you got to make that cash, right? So when the, the racism is money. You have it or you don't. Well, this is the thing, dealing and doing business in Irvine, uh, you know, observe people, 
they look at you as less than. Literally, you can see the expression come off their face, or you can see them going like this, or you know, for those listening to on a podcast, um, they're they're trying to look over your shoulder to see what car you're driving. Go in there to see whether they're going to listen to anything you have to say. So, when I first moved out to Irvine in '13, right, I have a um, I have a a GL 550, right, is the Mercedes, right, on the plates. Since my car was supposed to be is is like they drive right right i don't have any problems i see guys who come in here they could be black guys coming here and like a like um a different american-made car right you know, they'll get pulled over in a heartbeat right it's because the cars here are teslas mercedes bmws uh, ferraris driving around like it's everyday cars right but then when you have a car that's not quote unquote Irvine. You're gonna get pulled over. Then you go to you go to Newport Beach. Oh my God! Oh yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> it's a different matter of fact. Even I don't go to Newport Beach. It's just a different beast out there. No, it's, and then you have Bibola Island, and I've had them say, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm glad you're working hard. You seem like a poor millionaire." Yeah. Well, it's as I said, it's a different racism. It's money. And as you know, in Newport Beach is old money. Irvine is new money, right? And right. Bowen Park is is a mixture of whatever. Because those homes are so small, I don't even know how people live out there. To be truly honest with you, right? But it's a, but it's just a different mindset. And for the South, it's a little bit different, right? From the South, right. growing up, we went to Mississippi. My dad said, "Son, you go to Mississippi, don't look at those white girls." I said, "Why, Dad?" The hang you, boy. And I'm thinking my dad was like, you know, a little bit, you know, crazy nuts. Right. Man, when I went to Mississippi, I didn't look at any of the white girls there. Because right. I was scared because it's a different world out there. I went to a New, New Orleans for, for business, right? This one guy called me a boy. Look at the guy, but that's part of his culture. So I explained to him, I says, a boy is a white racist word. Or we don't call a black man a boy. Right. So I had to educate him on why. He didn't call me that name again, but I, but, but I believe it's my duty to educate them. Because sometimes yeah, they just don't know. Just like you said, it's their culture. 90% of the time, they're going to do the same thing of what their parents did. And their parents said, and everything else. It isn't run to generation to generation. It's our job to not get angry. It's to educate. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember in the, I'm on the board of the Orange County Diversity Council, and we had an, an extremist Islamic uh, organization in there. And we had, there was two guys from there. And I asked flat out the one guy, because I saw where the conversation was going. It was an HR conversation, and he was saying, you know, you must let people go pray at 3 o'clock, and if not, you have to suffer the consequences. And I'm like, well... The guy's an employee of that company. And I was like, well, do you believe this, right? Because it says, it, it, we got two answers, right? To your point. And that's why this is an educational podcast, right? We teach them business and financial concepts. And this is going to be a great series here on Fridays. The first answer to the guy was, well, it does say in the Quran, because I asked him, it says in the Quran that if you do not believe in Allah, you're an infidel that you'll be put to death. 
And the guy said, well, that is. And I'm like, well, it's an HR issue because the guy could blow up the building and be justified through the Quran. He says, well, but then the, the lawyer came in. He gave a lot better answer. He's like, they are two sides to that. His is the extreme right view. The other side is the side I have. I'm not speaking as the lawyer for this organization. I'm speaking as myself. The way I was taught was that you don't immediately put infidels to death. You have to educate them, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> you know, and that's and that's a soft review. That's why we have an educational podcast because the problem is, Doctor John, and let me know your thoughts. The problem is that we live even though people don't like it as much as they like to isolate themselves. We live in an interconnected world, right? Where a guy can get uh, a virus in China, fly over here and be here in 10 hours, and the whole world can be infected. So we live in an interconnected world. And for us to be able to evolve, as a uh, society, right, and as we're evolving our businesses and life because you never start learning because life never stops teaching, right? So the world's gotten a lot smaller. So what happens in Florida is a great example, right? The 2000 election. So what happens in Mississippi could be something that happens all around the world. So we're interconnected. So we have to keep learning ourselves. And now with all the mediums, podcasting, live streaming we have, we have a great platform to educate a lot of people. And people need to be educated. They, they need to be educated on a lot of different things. And as you mentioned, business is one, finance is one. They need to be mindset. On, uh, they need to be educated because I think once they know this stuff and they, they, do, they can do the research, their whole world will change. Right. And, and, and I've always seen uh, three flavors, right, of racism. One is uh, the guy who's just a jerk. Everybody uh, hates him and his whole family hates him. Uh, you have the other guys who think they have some sort of genetic advantage <laughs> over, over other people, right? And then you have the third type. There's just ignorance. They do not know any better. You know, I remember uh, growing up cleaning houses with my dad and one lady's like, please throw out the garbage. And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. She's like, oh my God, you speak English. I'm like, oh yeah, I speak English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, blah, 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 you know. And um, those are the three types, right? So that we have a great opportunity to be able to educate everybody. If people have an opportunity to educate us, we don't have a monopoly on the truth, but we throw what our perception is to get feedback because we're in a learning situation. So when you first broached the topic, right, about COVID-19 parenting, right? First thing that popped into my mind is a profile of a client that has made me a lot of money throughout the years. But being raised too well, I see this as, uh, from a larger view, this is how, you know, 
Nazism got into play, uh, communism could take over a country. And it's this guy, right? This guy is was born into a Mormon family in Provo, Utah. His dad was in the military. So he always told his kid, right? When you turn 19 or you turn 18 and you graduate from high school, you will go into the army. He goes to high school, graduates, he goes into the army. He spent two tours in the army. He came back from Iraq. Iraq. And when he comes back home, there's this beautiful Mormon girl sitting in his kitchen table. He gets married to this beautiful Mormon girl. They go to the Mormon church. He goes to college. He goes to uh, BYU. Upon graduating from BYU, he's like, what am I going to do for a job? He goes to the grocery store, and he works with his buddy from high school who has a job for him. So now he's an insurance salesman. He's 43 years old, and he's living in Park City, Utah, 20 miles away from his parents. So the guy is 43 years old and has not made one single decision his whole life, right? 90, multiple studies have been done. 95% of people die within a 20-mile radius from their house in this interconnected world we just established. 95% of people never switch the religion from their parents. So this guy well, has not been one and then they, they pay me a lot of money to make decisions for Conform to what they see. Right. It's conformity. Right. And Dr. John's breaking up a little bit. So we get him back. We'll get him to uh, repeat what he's saying. He's, he's going to provide us with a lot of uh, insight. Sure, but... Yeah. But yeah, if you can repeat did. that, you were buffering a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I know you have some good so, stuff to say. <laughs> okay. So what is what took place was I was listening to Joel Osteen one day, right? Okay. And he said that they had this guy there, and his wife was cooking a roast. But what she did is with the roast, she cut off the ends. She cooked the roast. He said, Well, why you cut off the ends? She said, I don't know, not know. My mom does. She called the mom. <laughs> the mom said, I'm not sure. So she called the grandmother said, well, the reason why I did it is because the roast was too big. Right. What part did you miss? Uh, and and uh, we could cut it off for the podcast, so we'll be good. So, oh. right, yeah, you start right from the beginning about uh, oh. Joel. So, he had this uh, this uh, this person that made him this And he says, but the wife would cut off the roast on the ends. Got it. Then, so, then the husband said, well, why'd you do, why'd you do it? 
I'm not sure. So she called her mom up. My, well, this is what my mom taught me. She called the mom up. Mom said, I don't know. So she called the grandmother up. The grandmother said, the reason why I did it is because the roast would, it would not fit in the pan. So I had to cut it off. <laughs> so they're doing it from generations to generations, not knowing why they're doing it. Right. Passed on. Right. So it's to your point, a lot of our belief systems is passed on. And the sad thing about it, sometimes we don't even know where the damn thing come from. Right. But we just do it because we was taught that. Right. And our mom did it and our grandmother did it and, uh, and everyone's been taught that. And the sad thing about it, you said he never made a decision. Most people don't make a decision. Most people they did from a And they model the exact same thing, good or bad. Yeah, yeah. If, if you can repeat the, what, the yeah, the last part you said. My young brother, we're having computer problems galore. You want to go Go ahead and call in? We can do it that way. All right, man, not a problem. I'll call in. Yeah, but you can keep the computer on, and we'll just do it both ways. Okay, so and how? And so, so people have both. They'll have the what? visual and the audio. And, hey. what, and what is the number to call in? Uh, uh, you can call myself. be better. It's uh, okay. 949. 949, okay. 322-9086. That's the great thing about being an entrepreneur. You always find a way. <laughs> oh, man, you have to. Yes. Make it happen. You'll go crazy nuts. Yeah. And still make it happen. We'll both have the audio and the visual. So, yeah, no, Dr. John's giving us some great stuff, man. I love it. Hey, I can hear you, Dr. John. Let me um, put that on you. Beautiful, man, beautiful, man. So where are we at now? Can you so, hear me? Yeah, you were talking about, uh, it, which is important, right? If we go from macro to micro in COVID-19 parenting, right? From the macro point of view, you were talking about uh, people, and you're saying, you said that most people do not make their own decisions or even learn critical thinking skills. And when you think about the murder in Georgia, it was a father and son. Right. So, so here's a good thing about it, right? Even with the example about the roast, right? It's a simple example. People do the exact same thing when it comes to even the father and son thing. Right. The sad thing about it, it was published to generation to generation to generation. Right. So this was the first time that it was just got taken. And people do things out of what they see. It's almost like I tell parents when you have kids. Right. It's monkey see, monkey do. Right. They're going to watch you and they're going to do it. Right. right. So that's why in the COVID-19, parents need to watch how they behave toward it. 
with the stress level and the worry and anxiety because that public, because when when the kids grow up and sometimes the kids could be 40 years old and have a house right now. But when the kids grow up, they're, they're gonna act the exact same way when a crisis come up. Right. Because it's a learned behavior. Very people make Decisions. The people who make their own decisions, we call them different right. or weird until right. they blow up. Then they say, I knew you could do it. You're the bomb. Right. Yes. It's just belief systems and it takes work. So, for your example of 95% of the people, you have to know if you think about your parents, most of their lives, most of their lives and right. Then right. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, absolutely. And uh, just make sure you mute your computer and your end because we're using the phone to get through it, man, because there's no excuses. And you're giving people invaluable information they cannot get anywhere else. Oh, man, and thank you for that, but it's just the mindset, you know, Working for guys like Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes, and working for, for some of the top business people in, in the world. world. And for me, going through my challenges as well, right. it just made me into a better person. And you're right. Sometimes your life does not hand you uh, uh, how to actually go to X, Y, and Z. Right. What takes place is then, you know. What takes place is that you got to work your butt off for it. Right. And here it goes. It's going to rain on your parade. Right. Believe me, it will. You're going to have some difficulties. You're going to have some challenges. People are going to call you idiot and you're stupid and dumb. But when you have that inside your heart, inside your dream, you go for it regardless. Right. Absolutely. Yes. But that's my whole thing about it. Is. Right. So now COVID 19 happens. Right. <laughs> Uh, and now let's let's rope in every parent, right? Because uh, you deal with the same guy too. And, and the, the thing about it is that uh, I don't mind it on a personal level because I make a lot of money. There's guys, you know, who get huge inheritances uh, or guys in that situation, and they lean on me, and I'm happy to do it. I'm I'm glad they trust me and. They seek me out. They lean on me to make decisions for them. But now you have all parents, right? There's some parents who teach your kids critical thinking skills. And now you've had this abrupt, unexpected change, right? So when you start thinking about COVID-19 parenting, uh, what were the points you, you were looking to describe? Here's my biggest challenge about that, right? You're absolutely right. There's a lot of kids and there are a lot of parents who focus on, on critical thinking. But here's the problem, Josh, is there's a lot of parents that's out there that their son, Johnny or Jane, they can't leave the house no more. Right. They can't go to the house or to the mall or the school. They're freaking stuck. They're stuck with them. Now they work from home. Right. Now, think about it. If you had issues with Johnny, and Johnny doesn't like school, so you have to motivate him to go to school. Now the school is online. Right. Now he's still having the same behavior issues. Right. How do you deal with it? It's a stressful time right now. And I met I met a lot of parents who who told me says, 
you know, I found out I don't like my damn kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't like your kid. I said, I don't like my kid. I said, why? He said, he's so selfish. And I'm like to myself, it's a learned behavior. He's watching you. But people don't get that. Right? Right. And, and parents are going through that. How do you deal with those issues? Or how do you deal with your kid who's in college? Now she comes home, and now she wants to rule the household. And, and guess what? You guys can't go anywhere. You're stuck in the same house. Right. What do you do? And I think that, to me, that's the biggest challenge right there. And I was and I was thinking about, you know, I started this story back in 87, right? Right. I've seen a lot of stuff in the last five decades. Right. I've seen how, I, and every kid, to me, similar story, just different parents and, and different things, right? But it's similar. But here's the biggest challenge about the heaven. What do you do now? And here's the sad thing about it. COVID-19 is not going to go away as they look at it. Right. And the fall time, the kids are going to probably be at home. What do you do? How do you motivate them? How do you want them to be better of than you are right. in your career? How do you deal with Johnny when he smarts off now? Because guess what? He can't go to a friend's house. He can't go to the mall anymore. He is stuck with you. What do you do now? Right. And that's the and that's the question that I had a friend of mine called me up. He says, John. My kids are running me crazy. So we have two daughters uh, that came home, and they're college kids. They're running me crazy. They can't go to their friend's house. We're going to be stuck inside the house all by ourselves. They're demanding. They're pushy. I said, who, I said, who did they remind you of? And he smiled. He said, my wife. And I was like, <laughs> you know, so I said, it's a learned behavior. Right. This is a learned behavior. They learned this from you guys. And... You know, and then you invented this piece now. Right. Now what do you do to deal with it? So, so when I came up with Josh, I came up with, I'm doing a parenting program, right? Okay. To teach parents enhancing skills and to teach them how to deal with their Johnnies or their James or whoever, right? Right. Because they need education. And it's an educational thing to educate them on what to do to how to go from A to Z. Right. Right? And... Being in the foot for 33 years, I've seen literally everything. Believe me, I've seen everything. Um, nothing surprised me. Nothing, nothing shocked me. But the cool thing about it is I have a 90% success rate. Meaning that 90% of my kids, when I work with them, they either went to trade school, we have doctors, we have lawyers, we have social workers. I had this cool case just recently, right? This one girl, she went to my program I had back in Indiana about two years ago. And I gave her a scholarship because she was going to, to Notre Dame. And she was a junior, but she was on probation. And I looked at her, and she went to a program. I said, you know what, I'll work with you. And you'll graduate. This year, she graduated. But let me explain to you. It was the toughest time because she didn't have any support back at home. Right. Her parents wanted her to quit school to work. And I said, you're only two years away. Don't quit school. We can get it done. This year, man, she I went to her virtual graduation. But she had in Notre Dame two years ago a 0.6 GPA her last junior year of her semester. So they put her on probation. 
the phone, uh, some message, she had like a 3.0, 3.2, and then she graduated, I think it was like 2.8. It, it was a huge cry, then actually is where she was. But I tell people in, in up front, C's get degrees. Right. Especially when you going to Notre Dame, man. Right. I'm sorry. I'm like, man, a C there is like getting the A anywhere else in the world, right? Right. When you go to these Ivy League schools, Get to, uh, to girl. Right. Hey, Jared Kirshner got a C all through his days at Harvard. Now he's running the world. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, listen to me. <laughs> hey, 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 listen to me. If you're going to get a C at Harvard or Stanford, all those Ivy League schools at Berkeley, praise God, man. Right. You're doing good. You're doing good. But here's the cool thing about that is so she is African American, right? Right now, she knows how to get along with the uh, the the in affluent. Right, she lived in Atlanta, you know. So she had to change her whole way of looking at things and talking to people. And now, man, she's a young beast. So you're getting this is what I'm thinking, right? It's the heart of it, okay? Because we have always lived and continue to live in a very crazy, uncertain world. Because when you talk about, uh, we're pretty much in the same generation, but when you talk about us, uh, we went through the 70s, uh, Jimmy Carter's high interest rate, Cold War, then Reagan gets shot, then 88, you have the uh, stock market crash of 88. Then you have uh, dot-com bubble crash, right? Yep. Uh, before that, you had Columbine and uh, Oklahoma City bombing. Then after that, which wasn't as dramatic, right, as the 88 crash, and then 2011, right? You had, then you go to, to, to 9-11, right? In 9-11, you had uh, things they said were, were temporary that became permanent, like the Patriot Act, right? Or anybody, they, they could lock you and me up tomorrow without due process, all right? Uh, that was 9-11. And then from 9-11, you go to 2008. Right? In football, they call it sudden change, right? However, there's always something going on, and there's something called healthy denial, right? We, we, we use coping mechanisms. We, uh, and you're functional, right? Some people aren't. Some people end up homeless. Some people commit suicide. But for the most people listening to the podcast, uh, we have a very affluent, you know, we get downloads from the 100 richest zip codes. We survive. People survive either to being good or lucky or both, right? So now COVID-19 is different. COVID-19 has ripped through the veil of healthy denial. Some people still have it. Some people think COVID-19 is a hoax, Right. Some people say that all the numbers, they're lying about the numbers because they want to get uh, more tax money, right? That's what they're saying. It would be healthy denial or not, right? I'm not qualified to say, but I am qualified to read up on it and research and educate myself on it. But that has ripped through, in my opinion, the veil of healthy denial. And then real intelligence is situational intelligence. So now parents, and even this guy we're talking about has never made a decision, now has to be a, make a decision. 
and be creative in a new situation, right? Because what helped them in the past, it might help them in the future, might not help them now. You have to use situational intelligence at this point in COVID-19 parenting. What are your thoughts, Dr. John? And you're absolutely right. And so let's go backwards on all of those things right. that you mentioned, of all of those things of 08 and, and 88 and all those great things. But here's a cool thing about it with the American people. Right. We always found a way to succeed. Right. As a whole. As a whole. Even in the COVID-19, we're always going to find a way to succeed as a whole. So let's go even even further back. Remember uh, 1929? Right. Joe Kennedy, when he was doing his thing, he had $4 million. Right. In 1932, he has $32 million. Because he made great money off of this thing. Because what he found out was, and this is only my interpretation. Right. Right. People were very scared. They made crazy mistakes. Right. And they didn't look to grow their business. This is the best time in the world to grow your business. Right. And, but for, but for you, the kids things, listen to me, when you educate as yourself down that, and write this down, the speed of the leader, the speed of the pack, the way you handle things at home is the way your children's going to handle things. Right. Because they're going to watch you and they're going to model of what you're doing. Yeah, this is what my dad did during COVID nineteen that, that got us through. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, my mom, what my mom did, what my dad did, both parents. Of course, I mean, because think about it, they made it to eighty eight, right? In two thousand eight, I remember nine eleven. I mean, I'm talking about, I thought that was a complete video when I saw that on TV. Right. Right. I thought someone messed up and showed the video. Right. right. I didn't think it was real. I had some yeah. healthy denial. And everybody got scared to the exact same way. And history it repeats itself because people are scared right now. Right. They're scared to move forward. They're scared to go down. But I tell people in the front, I focus on the six L's, right? First, you have to live your life to the fullest. And most people are even scared to go outside. I met this girl. She's even been outside in two months because she's scared. The second L is love everybody. White, black, blue, green, polka dot, love everybody. Third L is learn everything. Right now, we're in our, what I call is the butterfly method right now. Right. We're in a cocoon. We're going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. We're in the metamorphosis right now. This is the time to learn a new trade. Learn who you are. Dump out some of the, of the garbage that you could be dumping out. It could be friends. It could be situations. Right. Get better because what? Because as soon as you come to a new Butterfly, everything changes. Right. When the COVID nineteen is over, we're gonna have to change. Right. Change the way the change the way we do things. And the the fourth L is love everybody. Then you need to lighten up. I see people walking around here, man. They're so tight they they freaking squeak, man. Right. They had a book out back in the eighties. Don't sweat. The small stuff. Right. It's all small stuff. Right. This is the small stuff. And my last L is learn to leave a legacy. Leave, leave a legacy of who you are. So then, like, is your, is your kids, 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 kids can say, that's what my great, 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 great grandfather or grandmother built. But 
and, and uh, you know, and, and something I like to add uh, is uh, my parents came from Cuba. So they had a sudden change, right? In 1959 to 60, they went from living like we live now to communism. And my mother's uh, dad, my grandfather, uh, they, they took his farm and his general store away. And then um, she married my dad, who's a minister, 51, you know, 51 years now. And in 1966, they put him in a concentration camp from 66 to 68 for preaching the gospel. So she, she had a lot of drama. And then in 1971, because my dad had been put in a concentration camp and he was out, uh, he was being watched because he obviously had some anger and he would probably rebel against the communist government. So they figured out a way to get, in 1971, from Cuba to the United States. So she had gone through all these sudden changes, and then she becomes, she goes to the U.S. and um, becomes an entrepreneur. So she came to the U.S. with uh, just the clothes on her backs, and when she died, she had $10 million liquid assets, right? So that's why I'm so appreciative of the United States. But... I always remember that during crisis situations, because being an entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur is anxiety. And it's, exactly. about, it's about dealing with stressful situations. All the time. And what she did, and I'd like to know your thoughts, when things were going horrible and it looked like it was doomsday, she would be the calmest. But when things were going well, we were hitting on all cylinders. The restaurant was going good. The cleaning company was going good. The church was overflowing. That's what she would be. That's what she would be screaming at us and making sure we had a sense of urgency. So I'm thinking that it's time for parents, right, to be as calm as possible. Uh, my wife's the expert on this on DBT, but mindfulness, meditation, have a 12 p.m. meditation, right? It doesn't have to be prayer, but if it is prayer, if you're a Baptist, Pentecostal, pray. You, you definitely need to get all the kids at 12 and pray. If you're uh, Islamic, make sure everybody's praying at 3 p.m. or the time where the sun is, especially during Ramadan. If you're atheist, meditate, right? <laughs> Whatever it is, use different coping, calming mechanisms during this special time. Um, it's, it's, every morning, Joshua, I do my ritual right. every morning. Um, I do my prayer, or meditation, what people call it, whatever they call it. Right. Um, I do, I thank God, literally for everything that I have. Uh, that I, have. Right. Um, I do my goals, and I do what I call is my incantations. It's like my affirmations on steroids. Ster like I do this for an hour a day. Right. And then I do it every... I, I always think of LeVar Ball with that. Yeah. Speak yeah. it into existence. I, I man, literally, man, I... Man, the world, you say, money coming to me now. Because, you know, even from the Plato days, your mind is, uh... Your mind, mind is energy. Your mind's everything. And when a crisis come up, I'm calm. Right. I'm okay, but here, but here it goes. Even and I've done it both ways. I've not done what you're doing and done it in my testing, doing it your way works. Yeah, but here it goes. But even doing that, you, you got to still work out. 
you got to still do walking. You got to still train right. your body. Because if you don't do that, the stress is going to hit. And the right. stress hit always the weakest link. And when the stress hit, the weakest link is going to break somehow in some way. Right. So, but, you know, what is, is whatever ritual of that you, of, of what you do, so be it. But it has to be consistent each and every day. Right. Because you got to renew your mind daily. Not once a month, not once a year. And not just during the COVID-19 crisis. After this is over, it's a good practice to have. You know, the COVID-19, I took it as being a blessing, just to be honest with you. Right. Because it made me work on the areas of my business that I hadn't worked on. And then work on the areas of myself as a look at. Because I'm because there's no way I run. Right? So it's, it's there. So it taught me a lot. And it made me, I believe, to a better person. When I come out of this metamorphosis, I'm going to be this beautiful butterfly, but I'm going to be a, a, a different butterfly. Right. Right. Because this should be a time where people want to sit back and change. And to hit on your, is on your point, you should have uh, what I teach in my book, you need to have a family mission statement. What What's the name of your book, Dr. John? It's called Connecting with Your Team. Got it. And when you have a family mission statement, um, my website is www.drgeneral.org. But if you have a family mission statement. And we'll have that in the episode, though. We'll have all the links and the link to Dr. John's book. Right. So, but if you have have a family mission statement, now you know uh, what you stand for. But my parents had a family mission statement. And and here's what there is. They're all going to college. There's all 10 of us. Can you say? I have three. I have six sisters and three brothers. Wow. Jeez. We have seven masters and four PhDs. Wow. Yeah, I know that. My mama said it. Well, mom and dad said we're going all going to college. Nice. She says when you're at home, you pray in my house. So every morning, as as, as we do the rosary and we read the Bible. Nice. At nighttime, if I was at home. I'd read the Bible. Even then, I would, I would come home from school. I said, Mama, I, I don't want to. Mama said, Boy, you better get the heck out of this house, son. If you come here, I had to go to church every Sunday and do the rosary every day, which no problem I did. Because at her house, that's what you did. You know, I had a brother who was Muslim, right? His kids would come by. He lived in San Diego. His kids would come by, like, you know, in the summertime. Uh huh. They did the rosaries every morning and nighttime. So my brother called her up one day. You know, Mom, I don't think because, you know, as we're not this. said, you better come get your kids in. Because in my house, they're going to serve my guy. <laughs> but that well, you know, And that's the other thing about COVID-19 that could be good. It's what you're saying, establish routines and rituals. <clears throat> because a lot of this boring stuff that I do has saved me during COVID-19, Right. Because in the midst of insanity, I've done basic things that are 100% necessary. And, and I do, like the other day, I was just, I was doing some sit-ups. And I was like, the only reason I'm doing sit-ups is because it's a habit. Yes. I don't even know why. I was in the middle of doing sit-ups. And then where I woke up from my, like, subconscious dream, I'm doing sit-ups with all this crazy stuff going on in my head. Right. This would be cool. And another cool thing to do what I tell families is 
when you're around the table, right? Especially when you go to bed at nighttime. Yeah. Say one good thing, one positive thing about everybody inside the room. At least they know how you think about them, how you care about them. Right. It has to be, has to be some, something positive. And when you go into bed, listen to something funny. Right. So then you can sleep even better, right? These little small things. If you make these inside, inside your ritual, your whole world will change, man. Right. Like, like during this turbulent time, my wife, who's a psychotherapist, and I thought that was a good idea by her, right? It's always, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. That's why I love this podcast. <laughs> always get somebody that's smarter in. But uh, my wife, my wife, right before bed now, she's turning on The Office. So we watch an episode or two of The Office, man, before going to bed. Yeah, because it has to be something funny because it, it, it does something to the subconscious mind and you sleep better. So what I do, I listen to TikTok. Man, those TikTok videos are so funny. Right. And I, I laugh, I go to sleep, and I sleep like a baby. No, no, don't, don't watch CNN before going to sleep. <laughs> but those little small things, man, those little tips are great, man. I mean, but here, here's a cool thing, man. People are going to get over COVID um, COVID nineteen, but here's a but here's a cool thing. Here's a really the, my question is, who are you going to be once you get over? Right. That's a, that's a challenge. Or what I tell people is, what seeds are you planting? Are you planting anger, stress, worry, doubt, or else are you planting faith, passion, excitement, having fun? Right. Seeds you plant will grow. And, and, and one thing that I've seen a lot in media, and we'll close with this. I've loved it, man. We got a great flow. I can't wait till next week. Uh, and a life unexamined, right? It's a life not worth living, right? A philosopher would say. And this is given a great opportunity. I think the insight is. Since those studies have been done, multiple studies by multiple reputable universities, you know, 95% of people die within 30 miles from uh, where they live. 95% uh, of people have the same religion as their parents, right? Uh, and part of it is accepting who you are. It's okay not to like change or... Uh, even if you want to be a racist, be a racist, but have the awareness to know that you're a racist. Have the awareness, right, that you do not like change or you haven't chosen to change. That's why when Obama ran, whether you're right or left, the word change, he knew it was going to work, right? Because most people do not like to change. They knew it was a word that was going to hit them hard, right? Now, COVID-19 is forced change. So I think people have to have that awareness of what's going on with them. They don't like change, right? But uh, change, and you've made a very excellent point, it's going to be continued change. Because uh, I remember the HIV virus. This, this reminds me of HIV when it came out, right? Back in the 90s. Right, back in the 90s. When you hear testing, I'm thinking, oh, this girl that I wanted to sleep with was like, yeah, I'll sleep with you. I like, we have a good vibe, but uh, let's both get tested first, right? <laughs> so that's what I hear about testing. That's what, I, that's what pops into my mind. 
But this is forced change, and people have to realize, I don't care what decision they make, right? But as far as educating ourselves and having self-awareness, some people, and I would guess 95% of people, have to uh, come to grips and kind of process that they do not like change. And one of the changes is having their kids at home all the time. That's going to be a big one. And, and, and here's the sad thing about that is they're going to get used to it. Right. And they need to find some ways of how to actually deal with that. And to structure it like they're almost at school. Because when they're at school, they're structured, right? Right. And if they cannot structure it the exact same way at, at home, it's going to be hard for them. It's going to be completely challenging for them because now they're, they're going to go on uncharted territories. Right. See, and we mentioned this earlier when we were talking. COVID-19 is uncharted ter- territories. Nobody has been down this road. Right. And we don't know what to expect. We don't know what's real and, and, and what's not. But I do want to uh, say something. The COVID-19 is real. That's real. And it's going to be, and, and the people think it's going to last another week or two, you're completely wrong. That's not going to happen. They're not telling us everything, but it's not going to happen. Right. That's, that's why it's important. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna be more uh, religious about it, for lack of a better word. Uh, I'm gonna do like a little short video on Facebook where I track the numbers in Orange County, and I show what the numbers say, and you know, not taking one side or the other, just looking at the pure numbers and the statistics. Uh, I slacked a little bit on it, right? Even though somebody shouldn't. And, we had 14 deaths in Orange County last yesterday reported, and that's a peak, right? That's the more number of deaths that reported in Orange County. So I'm going to do more track because I think uh, the other part of it is you do have to track everything. I agree. I agree. I mean, so let's go backwards. Right. Even if we track it and even if all the numbers come up right, right. the people who run in this country is still going to go on for a long period of time. No. It's not overrated. And that's, I, what I look at is the patterns that's taking place. Right. I'm, 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 I'm only going by patterns. When we first started in March, it would be two weeks. Mm-hmm. Now it's four weeks. Now it's ten weeks. Right? And even in, in California, we're still locked out. Right. Gyms don't open. Well, the restaurants don't open. Churches don't open. We're still locked out. Right. Other places, they're up and moving right now, right? But, but here it goes. However it takes place, we need to figure out what areas are that we can change so we can actually get through this whole process. Right. Because it, it, right. And, and people have been talking about the stoke because your your doctorate's in philosophy, right? Right. And one of the philosophical uh, two of them come come to mind. But one of them is stoicism, right? And stoicism to me is 100% focused on what you can control. So I think during COVID-19, I make a list, okay, what are the things that I can't control and what am I actually doing about it? And then I track the results, right? Exactly. It's almost like the serenity prayer. Have you heard of the serenity prayer? Yes. If you would go to online and listen to that, it's covid nineteen. You know, it, um, if I read it, it had to be about two weeks ago, I said it twice Yeah, no. It's, it's the exact same concept. Right, and, and this, like you said, the story has changed, right? Uh, 
I, I just heard today that, that that on surfaces, it's about 80%, and it's 80% through the air. Uh, they first said that only old people got it, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people all ages uh, are dying. So there's been a lot of uh, misconceptions, right? Uh, first that it came from China. Now we know that there's two strains. The West Coast strain is China strain. East Coast is European. So that's the other thing, right? Uh, and I always said it on the I Love South Orange County podcast and the ESPC uh, Network podcast. I or none of our guests have a monopoly on the truth. <laughs> and that's what makes us different. You listen to other podcasts and say, we, oh, this is the truth 100%. Da, da, da. Nobody has the truth 100%. And that's something that we have to, and I think it's going to be very important. I think it's always been important, right, in parenting, uh, setting proper expectations for your kids. But I think you got to let your kids know that we don't know anything about this, really. And there's a lot that we don't know. I agree. And I think that with most parents, they try to act like they know everything. Right. And at this one, we don't. I think if you sit your kids down and explain to them, this is a new process, but we're going to get over it just like we did everything else, and actually have that talk with them, I believe that they can understand what's going on. So mommy and daddy actually look stressed out and worried because, you know, because of maybe Aunt Jane is not working. Right. Something's taking place X, Y, and Z. At least they can convey it and know. What most parents, they, they don't do, they don't, they don't tell a kid why. Exact communication. If you, if you explain to a kid why that it, it's taking place and educate them, the whole world changes now. Right. Because now you're going to educate them about what's taking place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome, right? And a lot of things have sparked up for future podcasts that we can get into, into some detail. And, uh, and what we do here is we give you information you cannot get anywhere else. You can't listen to any other podcast because uh, Dr. John and I are lucky, fortunate enough that we own our own entities, right? Uh, so we can, you know, either a client can fire us or we can fire ourselves. So what that does, it gives us, and especially as old as him and I are, it gives us the luxury, right? And it is a luxury, right? Because in North Korea, Hong Kong now, uh, Cuba, you're not allowed to speak your mind and be candid. So we can be raw, honest, and real on this podcast and share. I got two master's degrees. You got a doctorate. You both live in an affluent, very nice area. So we have a lot to share and a lot that people can give back. What are your final words, Dr. John? Great podcast, man. We gave people a lot of great information. Yeah, but we made through it because that's the way life is. You know what I mean? Not everything in life is going to be cookie cutter, man. You know, and I've been through it through. I remember George Steinbrenner, the owner of the Yankees, came in. Everybody was going crazy. And he always came in all the time. But this time he brought in uh, Joe Torre, uh, A Rod, uh, Derek Jeter. And I was all in the front happy, and then I get a whisper in the back. Hey, the toilet's broken. And I'm going to call the plumber. The plumber isn't coming. So I, I said, excuse me, guys. I gotta go. So I go from cavorting with millionaires and billionaires 
to the back, getting the plunger. You know, and everybody was frozen. All my people that worked for me, all of them could have taken a plunger and fixed the toilet. But everybody was frozen, right? Like COVID-19. Uh, that I had to go in the back and go with a plunger and fix the toilet. And they come back. So that's the way life is. That's entrepreneurship in a nutshell. Go ahead, Dr. John. Uh, my final thoughts is, guys, Right. Especially if you can't do anything about it. If you are the Mormon guy who's a client of mine and pays me a ridiculous amount of money to make decisions for him, right? Uh, say to yourself, I don't like change, right? Because there's nothing wrong with him. He has a beautiful wife. He has beautiful kids, lives in a nice house. He loves his wife, loves his kids. He just never made a decision before now. They'd be like, hey, you know what? I don't like change. I don't like making decisions. I like other people making decisions for me. I just have to accept this. Then I'm going to have to make a decision for these kids who are now living with me 24-7. And just accept it, right? Accept exactly. this, right? The serenity prayer. Exactly. Agreed. All right. Well, I always end, as a British lit major, I always end with Winston Churchill, who got us as a society in Western culture through World War II. And one of the things he said in those radio chats is you make a living from your labor, from what you do, but you make a life from what you get. So thank you for listening to the South Orange County. I love South Orange County podcasts in the ESBC podcasting If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. <clears throat> and they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN betting and team report podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. All the best there is.